Andrew Boyer, middle-aged white man. Ladies, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We can make him better than he was before. Better. Smarter. Woke. Please don't say woke. What happens when you take Facebook arguments between friends who don't agree and have them face to face? I'm Xanthi. And I'm Andrew. And this is We've, We've Got, Got Issues. Issues. Episode 8. Episode 8. Uh, our holiday edition. <laughs> I prefer to think of it as our, our year-end wrap-up. Um, and uh, Zan- we're, we're not going to be that festive. <laughs> no, well, it's been it's been a crazy year, and it's it's funny as we think about this year. Um, I think everybody thought it was going to be absolutely terrible, and did you think it was absolutely terrible? I think that for people like you and me, it's been mentally terrible in certain ways. Um, it's also been engaging in a way that I didn't anticipate. I feel. 100% more engaged with the world around me, I think, than I did before all of this began. Um, but I think it's also a mistake to fall into this idea of like, well, things haven't really been that bad. You know, the stock market's doing great and the economy's chugging along because I think there are a lot of people out there for whom this year has genuinely been harmful. That's interesting. I, You know, um, in, in what way has it been harmful? Because when, when I think about this year, uh, uh, you know, look, look. The things that really worried me about Trump um, would be were that one, he was going to get us into some kind of a war, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, two, that um, that we were all essentially going to get mired so much in uh, the day-to-day uh, scandals of Trump that nothing would get done. And uh, <laughs> and yet, I sort of feel like that has been true. And it's kind of worked out for everybody. Well, I was going to say, like, a, a hope of mine was that we would be so mired in the day-to-day scandals of our president that nothing would get done. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so unfortunately, the truth is, though, Andrew, like, things have been done. Mm-hmm. And um, we can talk about this later, but certainly the tax bill that was passed is going to have ripple effects for many, many people. The, um, the, you know, for whom has this year been harmful, you ask? Well, I think if your parent was deported... Um, this yeah. year would have been pretty harmful for you. I think if you were a dreamer, um, this year's been pretty harmful for you. I think that um, if you were a citizen of Puerto Rico who didn't receive <laughs> any aid after the hurricane, um, this year's been pretty harmful for you. Yeah, although that's a relatively small group of Americans, really. Like when you think about it. Like if you the, add up all the people who've been affected negatively, what about all the people whose families can't come here now because of the Muslim ban, the travel ban? So, so you think that it's been a bad year. I think for you and me, it has been, you know, for relatively affluent, privileged people, um, you know, yes, we're not in a war with North Korea, we're not in a war with Iran yet. Um, you know, our, our portfolios are going up, you know, if you're someone who's invested in the stock market, yay for you. Um, although Bitcoin took a bit of a tumble this morning. Oh, saw. well, that was inevitable. Yeah, so, Winkle, so Winklevoss twins, it's, not, not a good end of year for it's you. It's funny about Bitcoin you mentioned that because... There's been a thing this year, and I don't know. You know, you know what gaslighting is. Yes, of course. Right, the idea that um, I've seen old movies. People st- right, that that kind of. I, I feel like the whole world has been gaslighting me, and and I <laughs> on feel Bitcoin like, in particular. And or? Bitcoin is part of that, right? Where I, I, you know, about five years ago, I kind of looked at Bitcoin. I've sat on panels with a Winklevi. I like I I've had like a real opportunity <laughs> to kind of look at it and understand it and. At every point of the of the 
um, process. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is a Ponzi scheme, mm. and this nobody knows where it's from, and uh, this is going nowhere. And uh, you know, being wrong on Bit Bitcoin has has really it's just one Wait, of the many are things you, but are you wrong because the interesting thing I is in the last week right the yeah. number of media stories on bitcoin skyrocketed mm -hmm. and then this morning all of a sudden it takes a tumble and they're saying nobody knows why it's taken a tumble and it's like because the whole thing is just perception right that's the entire foundation on which Bitcoin is resting. Yes. So all of a sudden they're getting a ton of attention and then it takes a tumble. That does not seem no, accidental that's right. it's, to me. It's too I know I'm not an economics whiz, which you pointed out so kindly in a previous episode, but I, that doesn't seem hard to figure out. Yeah. But anyway, I, you know, the Bitcoin thing I find very disorienting because, um, because, and I think in a lot of ways, a lot of things have been very disorienting about this year where you think, okay, somebody like <laughs> Trump, someone like Trump, who, you know, clearly is unfit for the presidency, to me, seems to be not doing awful uh, in terms of kind of net result, maybe in terms of the way he's operating, it seems terrible. But in terms of the way things are actually turning out, I, I'm not. I, yeah, no, I think I think it's honestly, it's too soon to say yeah. whether he's whether he's doing an awful job so, or not. But you uh, know what? I have a few questions for you uh, on the Not My Tribe. So let's play Not My Tribe. Which I think will help us sort out some of this. Great. Uh, and then we're going to get into some deeper topics after that. Um, OK, so I'm actually mixing it up a little bit this week. Um, I have some stuff from the quote-unquote liberal media, Okay. Um, but I also have a piece from the conservative media. You've been, so we'll you've been on Breitbart? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I just remembered I forgot your Christmas gift, which is I got you a great little Breitbart ornament. This <laughs> <laughs> is like for my special snowflake. That's perfect. That's it's perfect, perfect, but I, I can't believe I forgot it. But yes. I'm so, I'm so glad you both got me something uh, and was, forgot to bring like it. Five, it was five ninety five, <laughs> but uh, but I, I had to get it. That's awesome. All right, All go right, ahead. So we're going to start. <clears throat> um, so there's a recent Vanity Fair article. Um, and I think we can actually, like, Vanity Fair, that's one of the things that's changed in the last year. Vanity Fair has gone from being just, like, a celebrity rag to being, weirdly, like, a political um, outlet. Uh, so they did a whole interview with um, Steve Bannon, another person that whose, whose name it pains me to say. Mm -hmm. um, and in the article, it said that he gives something a 30% chance of happening. Uh, and I was wondering if you knew what, what it was that he said um, I mean, might have a 30% chance of happening. China collapsing? No. Um, this might surprise you. That's the clue. 30% chance of happening. So it's something, oh, I feel like I even might know this. It's something that uh, you would think he wouldn't be for, but he is. Yeah, you're on the right track. Um, and uh, it's... Um, <laughs> It's like a it's like a strangely liberal thing that he has that um, you wouldn't think he likes. It, it maybe woman president. No, although I like that you said that. No. What? Okay. Although yeah, no. Then he'd have to give that. I feel like he'd I have to this. give that like a ninety percent chance in mm -hmm. order for your reasoning to hold there. But yes, um, he said he gives Trump a thirty percent chance of finishing out his four year term. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it, it's funny that it's taken so long for the Mueller investigation to come up with anything. Um, and I think you can look at that as 
I see it as evidence is like he's really building a really strong case. So do I. I don't see it as a sign of a weak case. um, So I think it will. But, you know, we're going to get into some real constitutional issues. And so I think the Republicans are very happy that they kind of got their tax bill through because now... Happy. They're thrilled. Did you hear Paul Ryan? Wait, no, I actually have to honestly ask you that. Yeah, he was... Did you hear Paul Ryan? Giddy is a schoolgirl, as they they say. Yeah. Oh, that's such a sexist comment. Um, (laughs) It's an Indiana Jones quote. Okay, all right. I'll let you have that. Um, I, listening to him screaming gleefully as he banged the gavel down on that one was like pouring vinegar into my ears. Yeah. It was just... A lot A lot of uh, people really didn't like it, but, you know, I think of it as... Uh, it just seems you know, so It was sort of his it. lifelong dream. You know, when you kind of achieve your raison d'etre, uh, I will not begrudge you if you have a, a little bit of uh, Really? Even if it involves totally it. shafting the majority of people in the country who you promised to help? I think that's... That has nothing to do with my un- lifelong un- dream. <laughs> unclear to me whether that is going to happen or not. I mean, uh, there, there's always... I think there's always a chance that that all of these things that that the uh, you know the right wing thinks are going to stimulate the economy by getting rid of the corporate tax and repatriating assets in the U.S. There's always a chance that that well, will work. I will tell you that the one thing, probably the main thing that I learned this year was the most improbable things can happen. That's right. That's exactly. <laughs> that's what I mean about gaslighting. Like, but that's such a that's such a horrible thing to have learned, which is all the evidence, everything that you right. rely on, can be on one side, and yet, and yet, this person becomes president. So you know, uh, maybe maybe every economist in the entire world is wrong. Oh, and, and this I, will I actually happen. don't think on this one. It's not like climate change where like 99% of the scientists think that this is the way to do the thing that the world is and you know there's these sort of 1% who disagree. I think with economists they always disagree. Yes, and except that I do think that trickle down. I mean, have I just been reading too much liberal mainstream media, but it seems to me that trickle down economics has been like roundly debunked by every reputable economist in the world. But anyway, that's not our that's not our beat. Um, okay. Our, our area it, of it is. A, I think. I think what's interesting about it is it is an area that we probably don't know that much about, and that actually most Americans don't really know that much about. No, and think, so we all have an yeah. opinion, and we're all told what what Paul Krugman has to say. You know, and he sounds like a Nobel Prize economist, so he sounds like he he knows what he's yeah. talking about. Yeah. But at the end of the day. Does he? I, you know, seems to me that economists do a pretty crap job of predicting anything. But that is true. Sorry, all you economists out there. All right, question number two. Okay. Oh, also kind of vaguely Bannon related, which is a little. I like that we're talking about Steve Bannon. He's an interesting character. I hate him. Um, (laughs) So uh, there was a story in Breitbart recently. Oh, I love you're reading Breitbart now. No, I didn't. To be fair, I read an article about the article, which is what piqued my interest. Um, and it, it's uh, an, a journalist, quote-unquote journalist, from Breitbart raised a concern about a new group that he thinks uh, may be um, uh, exerting some, some negative um, vibes against this administration. A new group. That we should be worried about. That we mm-hmm. should be worried about. And this is a Breitbart article. So yes. who are they worried about? Um, uh, I mean, so it's not going to be the obvious things like <laughs> it's obvious. feminists or... or well, well, kind right. of. Kind it, of it is a little bit. Um, the new group is... <laughs> so I think it's a feminist group, but it's it's going to be like moms? I mean, you're really, really close because it's feminist witches. Feminist witches? 
So just feminists. Which then. just no, like just makes kidding, me laugh. Kidding. No, literally, literally witches. And witches. he points to like an uptick in witchcraft in related witchery? witchery related activities. And he thinks that there's a there's a coven of feminist witches who are putting hexes on the administration. And this is who who's saying this? A journalist in Breitbart. It was an, a an article in Breitbart. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's we don't even have a source on it. We're just we're we're <laughs> You read from a, another source that there was somebody who said that there's a. Witch oh no! Part. I read the bright. I went to the bright part. Okay. Uh, piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there was an actual. Yeah. And I just want to say that, like, the few people that I've mentioned this to or that I discussed it with, their attitude was that is such a great idea. We should definitely. That there's do a witch. That. We have a witch problem. Let's join up. No, like they were like, let's do it. Oh, let's actually start a witch problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I was actually thinking about. Uh, well, it's going to be too off topic, so I won't talk talk about it. But um, oh, I'm so intrigued. No, I I was thinking about the devil. Uh, <laughs> I swear to God, I was thinking I think about. We've the devil. all done some thinking about the devil this well, year. Here's, can I? I'll, we'll just go on a tangent. Whatever. It's the end of the year. No one's yeah, listening. Yeah, yeah. Come on. So here was what I was thinking. So in my uh, life, we I, I had a friend who whose whole life kind of got turned upside down. Um, because, By the devil? No, because uh, a um, because uh, his wife had an, had an affair. Oh, I shouldn't be laughing. And no, no, and um, no, it was. And I was thinking about, and and it seems it seems so stupid, right? Like everybody hears that and they go, like, oh, what an incredibly stupid thing to do. Why would anyone do such a dumb thing for like you know one night of whatever? And um, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, yeah, but from the genes point of view, right? Like that wasn't stupid. From the genes point of view, they were just they, were, you know, in terms of genetic, whatever it is that's driving our mm-hmm. species. Like that, not doing that was stupid. Like that's what the genes want to do. They want meaning to, monogamy is genetically disadvantageous. I mean that yeah, the genes were expressing themselves at that <laughs> point and saying and saying that they wanted to create. They wanted more procreation, which would extend the species. That that's, and then I thought, well, if I really believe that, and it's like that, I feel like there's this sort of invisible hand of genes sure. manipulating it. Then I was like, well, a hundred years ago, people called that the devil. Like that's what people thought that there was this invisible hand that, like, <laughs> the oh, the devil made me do it. Like right. this was the devil kind of talking to my ear and made me have this affair. What? But now, and what I realized is like I've basically just replaced. My the myth I know sure. like well I, no I mean that is what we've done we've taken religion and religion has you know taken an increasingly distant backseat to science right and now we explain everything with science but right and then what I thought was so interesting about it is like I'm no more advanced than the guy a hundred years ago who was saying <laughs> oh it was the you know because I feel like oh I'm sophisticated now I don't believe in the devil or hell right, like right. I'm not but like here I am still believing in this invisible hand that's making people do things that they don't want to do yeah and well but I mean, I'm calling I, it science yeah but I'm actually buying into the same kind of superstitious um, no, I mean, clearly kind of we have biological drives to do things, and we now understand those in a way that people didn't. I mean, it's the same as, you know, people thinking that every time there was an earthquake, it was God, you right. know, um, punishing us, but now we know that it's actually plate tectonics. But the truth is, we still have no control over it. Right. And it still messes up everyone's lives. And the same with biological drives. I mean, my gosh, if we've learned another thing this year, it's that biological drives we have, are not our friend. They are not our friend. They are the devil, right? Like that, but not the real <laughs> devil. They're like the 
that the, they're that the invisible hands. Our genes are, in some ways, what we used to think was the devil. That's that was my yeah, no, my thought. That's a which that's... gets back to witches. <laughs> <laughs> and then and, then and why was, we should put curses. And then I was on thinking about all, all you know all these people who you know believe you know people who believe that like <laughs> you know who say about sexual harassment like oh well like this was kind of how you know this was biologically kind of a part of the imperative because that's how the vikings spread their yeah. whatever and so and and so i think that that is as much of a cop out in a way as yes. saying the devil oh my gosh andrew <laughs> i we finally see eye to eye right. so, on this biological thing because um, it's really one of the things that has irked me the most during right. this whole me too um debacle which is People saying, you know, well, that's how men are. This, they don't have it. That's how they're driven. Right. They don't have a choice. And, you know, I keep using the example of like, well, sometimes you're in a work meeting and somebody says something that upsets you and you want to punch them in the face, but you don't. Your right. biological drive says, put your hands around that person's neck and throttle them because you can't stand them, but you don't do it. Right. right. And, and, you know, you learn, you, you can unlearn behavior or you can learn not to express primal drives. And I think that that is part but not all of um, what's going to be our solution for this. Yeah. All right. So that was my that was my big aha. Hilarious. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I did not this think that's where this witches is, were going to do This is us. why I'm thinking about the devil. Yeah, no, it's, um, uh, yeah, that's just the way my brain works. You know works. what's a bummer is? What? Like those of us who consider ourselves more secular, and I think I'd probably yeah, put you I'm, in that category too. Yeah, pretty secular, yeah. Um, you know, we can explain what makes us do the bad things, but do we have an explanation for how to be better? Yeah. <laughs> like, do we believe we maybe have a replacement for the devil or the invisible hand, as we might call it, but pushing us to do bad things? But what is it that pushes us to do good things? Like if you don't really hold it to a belief in God, um, again, you have to just come back to, you know, are people, can people be innate? Well, I actually good? think that the good things are also part of the invisible hand. Like there's there's part in our, our genes also compel us to do the good things, right? So they are compelling us to kind of keep the families together or kind of bundle bundle up in tribes and be good to our community and not kill terrible, each other. Terrible, but terrible to the other tribes. But then sometimes, yeah, but we got to kill the other tribes, yeah. you know? Oh, and I don't know. So anyway, it's that's my that's right. my uh, my Christmas thought uh, for you about the devil. Lovely. We, we're sort of bringing him back. In true secular style. All right, yeah. um, two more questions. Um, Kirsten Gillibrand, who I think we're going to try to talk about later, yeah, um, said something quite controversial in an interview with the New York Times recently, last week, I believe. That's it. That's all I get. Um, it was something that made <laughs> Democrats very unhappy. Some Democrats very unhappy with her. Uh, make Democrats unhappy with her. You know, all I know about Kristen Gillibrand is that she... You said her name so well. I did? Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, a challenging one. Uh, you know, all I really know about it, her is that she's kind of getting ahead of the whole Me Too movement and has kind of used that, I think, as her... She believes that's going to be kind of her galvanizing force to kind of her become a, a political figure. Mm -hmm. um, and so if she said something controversial, I bet she said something like the Democrats have... A, a very big problem with sexual harassment and um, you know she sort of turned the spotlight equally or more so on the Democrats. Well, I'm gonna give you a clue which yeah. will help you get the complete right answer. Yeah. Um, although your guessing ability is uncannily yeah, good. I, I test well. Say. You do. <laughs> um, uh, it was about a specific renowned Democratic politician. 
But not Franken. Not Franken. Uh, renowned Democratic politician um, Kennedy. No, Clinton? more recent. More recent, uh, who has sexual uh, has sexually harassed folks. I don't know who it is. Oh, Bill Clinton. It was Clinton. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, but the funny thing is, the Clintons supposedly made Gillibrand. Like so they. That's the right wing. Yeah. Um, spin on Gillibrand and that's what they're trying to use I think to bring her down and so, in advance and of so a, she's trying to distance herself from that well to be fair the New York Times laid a bit of a trap for her and said do you think Bill Clinton should have resigned so and, at that point like what is she, she said yes. what is she going to say like no I think it's great yeah um, she did say yes and of course then she qualified it and said judging by today's standards mm. you know he should resi have resigned um, which is totally, like, she had no other choice but to answer it that way. But the headlines then were, you know, Gillibrand says Clinton should have resigned. And then oh, all and these, like, Clinton operatives were lamb lambasting, lambasting, I always say that wrong, her. I um, never use that word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say It sounds delicious, her. lambasting. lambasting. <laughs> sounds like what I'm going to do to the Christmas Like lambasting turkey. a turkey, yes, now exactly. I'm hungry. <laughs> Um, they were excoriating her. They were excoriating. You do that to apples, Twitter. right? You yeah. excoriate them. <laughs> and then you put them in uh, your turkey. They were very mad at her. Yes. I don't know. Let's, should we dumb it down here? Yeah, now? no, I, I've tried to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were very upset with her. Yes. Uh, and said, you know, she's she's just a you know, ambitious um, so, politician trying to distance herself. So she, if she felt, I think she fell for the trap if she, if she said something like today's standards. Because I think that... One of the big problems we're having is to say, you know, are we going to look at these things through the lens of today's standards? Or are we going to actually say, okay, well, by the standards of the 1960s or the 1970s, this was kind of standard operating procedure. And I think, um, I think once you get trapped into doing that um, and you say, okay, well, things were different then, uh, then uh, you know, then you're going to give passes to all kinds of people. And but so, it's so tricky, right? Because first of all, I mean, we, I don't want to get into the. Whole I don't think what thing, I think what Clinton did was wrong. And by the way, I think the whole and I'm not country, talking about Monica Lewinsky to be on. To you're be talking about the other, um, all the Broad, other allegations. Uh, what's her Jones name? Jones and Juanita Broderick and yeah. all those women. Clearly, what he did was wrong by those standards. To all the Republicans you know, wanted him to be, you know, wanted those things to stick and want, and felt they were they were yes, wrong. Because Republicans are always on the side of the female accusers. Yes, it was partisan. <laughs> yes, it was driven by partisan. A hundred percent driven. Partisanship. But at the same time, I think had it been a Republican and the Democrats were on the other side, they would have felt equally um, uh, convinced that, that this person wasn't fit for office. So, um, yes, yeah, I although, don't think although can... yeah, you have to look at how that whole thing came so, about. So, so I think the real question about Gillibrand... Also, so the other thing I have about Gillibrand is like, to say, well, she came up with the Clintons. Basically, everybody came up with the Clintons. Exactly. Like, you cannot be a Democrat and not have ties to the Clintons because they were the party. That's 100% so, so accurate. I do think it is a little... Um, specious to, for you know for people to sort of unfair. say yeah unfair to, to sort of say well you know they made her because yes. they kind of they made everybody like yeah. they were the yeah. the gatekeepers and yeah. so I'll say I mean I had a heated and very unpleasant exchange with a Facebook friend about Gillibrand because this is his issue with her is he feels like oh she's such a hypocrite she took money from the Clintons right. she came to them for campaign donations when she was running for the Senate how dare she speak out against sexual harassment 
Um, and I, I disagreed very vociferously um, with that. And I think, you know, you can't, yeah, there's this purity test that people always seem to demand of the politicians they don't like, yeah. but never of the politicians that they do. Uh, offends I, me. That, that said, I do not think that being the face of Me Too and getting ahead of that this is going to work out for, for Kristen Gillibrand in the end. I think that... Um, I kind of agree with you. It, and, and actually, I read a really nice, interesting piece in The Atlantic by uh, Peter Beinart. Do you know yeah. who he is? And he wrote, he basically said, actually, what divides the parties now, uh, or a lot of what divides the parties is feminism. Oh, I read the same piece. And, yes. Um, and that... Uh, and, and I think that that's a really interesting perspective. But I also liked. But I liked that. He just sorry to to jump in for a second. I liked that he said feminism. He said feminism doesn't have to be a women's issue because he talked a right. lot about how Democratic men right. now are more supportive of um, uh, female equality than or women's rights, whatever you want to call it, um, than Republican women. Yeah. No. He basically said that Hillary Clinton pushed a lot of. Uh, women who were not feminists to the Republicans, yes, and um, and that that kind of changed the the dynamics of things, uh, and uh, but you know I think what what we will see I think is that when you if you position yourself solidly in the feminist uh, camp. group camp and that's kind of your identity I think that that will uh, it'll take you that will it'll be, take it will you take you pretty point. far yeah. but you will not be. Like a presidential yeah. candidate. You, you know why? Because we're really good at predicting what makes an excellent presidential the, candidate. Yeah. On the other hand, we're all being gaslit and nobody knows anything. <laughs> that, I I really do feel that that is the lesson of the. No, I mean, I think year. if we if we were talking, you know, a year and a half ago, we might say, you know, you can't be a divisive figure and win, but that's obviously not true. For sure. So. I mean, I guess we'll see. Yeah. I just think my issue with Gillibrand is she's actually not super compelling as a speaker. And she is, I actually like a lot of what she's doing, but she's, she does not have the it factor. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. See. It's not right. I think we, what the Democrats are going to need is somebody who motivates people and makes people feel good about being a Democrat again and not being against things, but being for things. But that and, just seems so unfair because yeah. the Republicans keep winning with super or almost winning in the case of Roy Moore with, with like the exact opposite of that. That's right. Right. So like, how come all of a sudden Democrats have to be the ones who, you know, go even further down the road of saying like, oh, we all agree. There's more that unites us than divides us. Yeah, it's because it's asymmetric warfare. Yeah, <sighs> it absolutely is. I think that, um, you know, what will work for Republicans is not what will work for Democrats. I, I think. And it, by the way, but I do think the sides are relatively balanced. It's I just wish about we just knew which worked better for the country. <laughs> uh I actually think the balance works best for the country. I, I think that the pendulum swinging is, you know, and I always sort of said this about Trump, like, like, I don't understand Trump. I don't understand Bitcoin. I don't understand Trump. And I don't understand why, why the Republicans picked him over all of the other well, they people didn't like really Kasich. The well, but I, I really liked Kasich. He sort of spoke to me. I didn't understand why he, why everyone said he wasn't the right guy. But I, but I, in, and I didn't under, really understand why the country went for Trump, but I did sort of feel, and because it's the way I guess I am, that that like that there is a wisdom of crowds, and that that the, the U.S. has done a pretty good job of picking um, what it needs, 
And at oh the same, I do, I do I believe that. Believe you're saying this. And and then also that like when they go too far, they have done a pretty good job of correcting backward. Well, so like, I think if we look at our if we look at our 300 year history, right. that like when when the U.S. you know the U.S. corrects it for itself, and it's not it's like turning a jumbo you know plane, and like we make these right. big turns right. uh, when we need just sort of small corrections, but we don't we overcorrect. Like, yeah. like it would be like me flying a jetliner, <laughs> right? Like I would be like, oh, I got to turn left. I'd yeah. be like, ah, oh, you know, gonna, like, I'm, no, you got to just touch it. A boat you just got a, a, bo- a boat. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's terrified now. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really plane. flying the plane. Um, I but, don't know. I get, think 2018 will have to be the year where what you're saying, we'll see whether that's true sure, or not. For sure it will. there's some opportunities for correction. We saw a Democrat get elected in Alabama. And that says to me. Barely, barely, by a hair's yeah, breadth. Yeah, but it, nevertheless, you know, and by the way, on allegations that were 30, 40 years old, right, which is not to say they weren't legitimate, but they were, they those allegations were partially what, what did it. They were credible enough. They were credible. Although, and, interestingly, what turned out, I mean, there's so many arguments about, you know, why did Roy, Roy Moore win? Um, you know, one of, the, one of the ones that got the most kind of attention in the media was the black voter turnout. Yes. Okay, now black voters were not turning out against him because of the allegations that he um, molested uh, yes. 14-year-old girls. They were turning out against him, I'm assuming, because he's a avowed racist. Yeah, well, I actually have a, a, a separate theory on that, which I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. And then I also think that the black turnout happened because... Um, and I've already forgotten his name, the guy who beat him. Doug um, Jones. Doug Jones. Such a forgettable Doug, name. Doug, yeah, exactly. Doug Jones... Uh, he tried Ku Klux Klan members from 1960 and succeeded in yeah. Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, that's not an easy feat, right? To take a, like a 40-year-old case yeah. and say, oh, we're going to get these guys for and burning get, down a church convictions. and get convictions. Yeah. And I think that's why you got 95, Exactly. 97. So like weirdly, in the end, the molestation thing, what the molestation thing did, I think, and I'm obviously not an expert on this, but... You know the, the the margin of Jones's victory was exactly the same as the number of Republican write-in votes, and I think maybe the Republican write-in votes um, were, the, in other words, the people, the Republicans who didn't vote for more. Um, those people were probably affected yeah. by the harassment allegations. There were so many different things, but because he was such a horrible and candidate he was, on but every it, level. But at the same time, it was it, it's undeniably also a swing of the pendulum. Yes, like. Even, you know, if people in Alabama were like, you know what, I've never voted for a Democrat before, but this time I'm basically either going to cancel my, nullify my own vote, or I'm going to actually, you know, vote for a Democrat. I think there were more people in the former category than the latter. I don't think there are a lot of, a lot of Republicans voted for Jones. I think it's, I think, well. Well, you know, if you write in Mickey Mouse, you are essentially writing for the, you're, you're, you're giving at least half your vote to the other candidate. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, um, I do have one more, just that. Yeah, that no, I, did I get zero for, for four? Yeah, that sounds um, so good. I mean, you, you're such I get a good close. guesser that you're really <laughs> close on Thank everyone. Thank you, that's nice of you to say. <laughs> um, all right, so the last one, um, our president held another one of these open cabinet meetings recently, and he invited Ben Carson to do the prayer, because why, I don't know. I can't imagine why. Um, but uh, Ben Carson, in his prayer, offered thanks for unity, and specifically for the unity that made something happen uh, last week, this the, week. The unity that made baby Jesus? <laughs> um, no, um, the, the unity that made something happen that Ben Carson was excited about? Yes. In terms of housing and urban development or just kind of 
some broad religious Broader. that the unity. So, so I, you're I get about, I, you're thinking about poli- it's something political. I get, I get okay. where you're going though. So this is something that's going to turn out to be wrong. You're going to laugh at this, like ha ha ha, Ben Carson. How silly that he thinks that this is I'm a real. Already, I'm already laughing just thinking about that this it. is a real thing, and so it's it's based on Ben Carson's misunderstanding of some very basic. It's actually based thing. on Ben Carson's misunderstanding of what the word unity means. Ah, so it's actually something that's very divisive yes. that he's claiming is unity. Um, uh, abortion? No. Civil um, civil war. No. <laughs> What? But actually pretty close. He he said he wanted to give thanks for the unity that led to the passage of the tax bill. Oh. Okay. Oh, you uh, don't find that as funny as I do? I No, I mean, um, I think what he may have been referring to is the Republican unity. That, that <laughs> like, actually, people like Susan Collins and everybody else and John McCain and all these people who have never got, haven't been getting on board, got on board. Yeah, weirdly about taxes. That's so, so surprising. Um, and then he said he hoped that the unity would spread across party lines. Yeah. That, well, that doesn't necessarily seem like it's going to happen. But I don't find that ridiculous at all. I, oh, my God. If you, were to, if you interpret you it as like... the most partisan vote. It's completely partisan, split along party lines. How you can then claim that that is an example of how unified America is, is the most ridiculous doublespeak. I mean, talk about gaslighting, Andrew, come on. Yeah, no, I think, I, look, I think the, the problem, I, you know, you wonder on this whether you need to change it to be, I don't know, they, we, we need to have a way where the other party, they have to compromise with the other party and we can get, we can get things that both parties agree make sense. Yeah, um, it seems but like I, that might never happen again. But I don't know how you get there. I mean, I, it's... Well, I, you have I think more the, than two parties, for starters, right? I think right? The, the only... I really think the only way to solve it is to go to some kind of digital um, representative thing where you get rid of gerrymandering and so that you get you have to get moderate candidates that would help. Who, who, are, who can compromise. Yeah. And I think that that's the, literally the only way you solve the problem is to... But, you know, then you get away from really being able to elect somebody who represents you. You know, you have to elect somebody who kind of represents, you know... You and your neighbor. Your, you and your neighbor, you know, or the people in Bridgeport or the people yeah. in, yeah. you know, Nyack or wherever you are. Yeah. And so, you know, but For I For me, think, it's the people in Staten Island. Yeah, it's Staten Island. <laughs> <laughs> they get a tough rap. To be, I've got to go to Staten Have you ever been to Staten Island? No, I, it's nothing against Staten Island. I'm just saying Staten Island is the only borough of New York that went for... Um, right. This president. I feel like I need to. They 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 pick on Staten Island a lot. And, <laughs> well, it uh, is a it is an outlier. Quite I just think li- it's literally. like it's like it's like all cops and like organized crime or something. Like <laughs> that's kind of my actually impression. And a, lot of, a lot of immigrants too. Yeah. Interestingly. Yeah. So I feel like we need to do. I, I don't even really know how you get to Staten Island. <laughs> oh well, that I can help it's you a, with. There's a ferry, right? And, and a it's bridge. free, right? It's supposed and to be a, free. And a bridge. Yeah. Why is it free to go to Staten Island, not anywhere else? I don't know. I don't think it is free. Oh, okay. All right. People can weigh in on that. All right. <laughs> All right. So that's the end of my that's in. Track, we... which led to some like pretty deep discussion. So it yeah. took a little longer. No, that was a good. Uh, that was a good. That's not my tribe, and um, and we got into. Uh, I think I got zero out of five on that. <laughs> Four. <laughs> I, I need to read more. Um, so what did you want to talk about next or finally? Yeah, well, we've we covered, about... I think we've covered Gillibrand because like that was one yeah. of the things that I wanted to talk about for sure. Um, well, I kind of wanted to get to a question that you and I were discussing mm-hmm. um, about 
you, you sent me an article by Jillian Flynn. Yes. Who is a, a woman writer that you really, really like. Yeah, she's the Gone Girl lady. Yes. And uh, she writes she's, journalism she's, as well. Does she? Yeah, she's, she's, I don't know, there's just something about her voice is terrific. And, yeah. Um, and you know, what, I, what I like about Jillian Flynn is that she's open to the idea, essentially, that of, and we talked about this a little bit, that while there's, you know, that there's sort of toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. there can also be the sort of toxic, fem- toxic femininity. Mm-hmm. Like, she's open to the idea of sort of the bad woman. Yes. And, uh, and, that, um, and that's what she writes about, and that's what interests her. And, uh, and I, I just think that that is, uh, it's an unusual perspective, and I mm-hmm. tend, to, tend to like her. Oh, it makes you sympathetic to her. But what's funny, the interesting, the piece that you forwarded me, which she wrote for Time Magazine, um, where she's talking about women speaking out against sexual harassment, um, it led to a discussion between you and me, which was, you know, is sexual harassment, she says sexual harassment is a men's problem, mm-hmm. right? And to frame it as a women's problem is problematic. In the same way that to me, framing feminism as something that only women can be um, is, a, is a problem. Like, I think that we need to, and sometimes it's the terms of the debate that are problematic, because I think the word feminism turns off a lot of men when it doesn't need to. Um, uh, but but we were discussing, you know, is is this sexual harassment thing a men's problem or a women's problem? And I think one of the things that I was thinking was um, to discuss it in either way is doesn't lead us closer to a solution, right? Because if we're saying, oh, it's a men's problem, it's like putting it all on in your lap, so to speak, yeah, and saying, you know, you got to fix this. You're the ones doing and, it. And by the way, and I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking this, like we show no sign of really wanting to solve the problem, <laughs> right? Um, and um, but you know, but I think at the same time, when you think about when you hear like the Matt Damon comment and with right. the Mini Driver interview, which if you don't know that, like he basically was on some talk show and he he was basically saying, oh, we can't. Just equi- you know, we can't lump all these offenses together. You know, patting the- someone on the butt is not the same as being yeah, a serial we need to rapist. Have, we need to have some distinction, and and then you know, Mini Driver comes back and says, you know, there shouldn't be some kind of hierarchy of wrongness. Like wrong yes. is wrong. Yes. And um, and I think the you know the argument against that is like, and I think Brett Stevens made this argument that you know if you go down that road route of being procrustean. Um, and Procrustes was this Greek guy who had the bed. Do you know the story? No, tell I'll me. I'll tell you about Procrustes. But uh, it's a, I love the story. But um, I can't but believe you know a Greek myth that I don't know. So okay, fine. Yeah, we'll, sorry. We're gonna have we'll, to go to we'll Procrustes divert. for a second. So Procrustes was, I, I believe, part of the Theseus mythos, right? And he was this like weird, scary innkeeper, and you'd go I to mean, his with, with that name. You would go to his house, and he had this bed, and then you would, he would drug you, and then um, at at night. He would strap you to the bed, and if you were too short for the bed, he would stretch you out. Okay. And if you were too big for the bed, he would cut off your feet. Oh my God! So this gave me nightmares. Like this is like the, yeah. the most nightmarish yeah. uh, of all the Greek myths. It's pretty, um, pretty bad. It's terrible. But the idea is, I think, the idea of one size fits all is never a good solution. Oh. Um, and that's what procrastinates. Wow. Kudos to Brett Stevens what, yeah. for pulling that word out. And so that's why I was like, wow, look at that. You're pulling out procrastinate. So but, he was saying we can't be procrustean in, exactly right. in our... Um, okay, so I have a response to that. Okay. Which is, uh, and I've been really wrestling with this, because in my heart I agree that there is a hierarchy of offenses. And I think you'd have to be crazy, right, not to see that. There is a hierarchy of offenses you know, rape, serial raping hundreds of women 
is on one end um, making a inappropriate sexual comment to a colleague uh, is at the other end yeah and then in the middle somewhere on the spectrum right <laughs> are showing someone your penis yeah. who doesn't want to see it yeah um, at work yeah. okay that puts it further down towards <laughs> yeah. the serial rate grabbing end somebody's the, butt in a photo op grabbing someone's butt in a photo op probably yeah. down to the like not so bad end right. of the right. of the spectrum however I think what is so uncomfortable and the reason that someone like Minnie Driver and a lot of other women have pushed back against this idea of a spectrum of offenses or a hierarchy of offenses is that then you run the risk of letting the people off the hook completely who are at the um, not so bad end, yeah. right? And you also are ignoring the fact that if you don't address the things that happen at the not so bad end of the spectrum, you're really gonna have less and less hope of catching people and catching behaviors before they progress to the really bad end. And you know, someone is saying, I think Brett Stevens wrote in his article in the Times, you know, these, you know, Harvey, should Harvey Weinstein really be in the same conversation as, um, I mean, who's someone on the not so bad end? Uh, Al Franken. Al Franken, okay? Should Harvey Weinstein and Al Franken be part of the same conversation? To which the answer is yes. Yeah. Of course they're part of the same conversation. And no, they are not going to suffer the same consequences. I hope. I mean, I hope Harvey Weinstein goes to jail. Right. Uh, Al Franken's not going to go to jail. Right. That, there's two... And in fact, they're already sort of kind of bringing, rehabilitating him a little bit. I mean, maybe he uh, deserves nice to be rehabilitated. Right. You know, there's... You can rehabilitate... And, 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 and he talks about, you know, manslaughter is different from, you right. know, um, robbing somebody is different from et cetera, et cetera. Okay, we have different punishments for those crimes. And we also believe in rehabilitating people who've committed certain right. lower... Uh, and offenses. So yes, it has to be part of the same conversation though. I think, I, I basically agree with you actually. I actually think that right now having a bit of a draconian approach to this is is a necessary correction because I think that it's a cultural thing. Like I think that, you know, there's kind of male entitlement culture and, and rape culture. And I think it's it's making people think twice, right? And it's making people say, do I really want to be on tape saying that, sure. or do I really want to be? I mean, let's, let's giving say, that let's making men. Think, yeah, make, making men think, think twice. twice, and so and and uh, to and their so, benefit, right? They benefit also from thinking twice. Yeah, and well, I think we, we all do, and and um, and so I'm basically thinking that this has been okay um, with you know with the reservation that like okay, this could get out of hand, and it could could eventually turn into you know sort of a, a witch hunt, but I. I don't feel like it's going to. I, I feel like it um, that probably the Al Franken thing is probably the most extreme we're going to get. I hope so. In terms of kind of overcorrecting. Yeah. And um, that I think we're kind of now entering this period of like, um, you know, where we're going to, where, where this has been a good wake up call. And I actually, you know, I thought Al Franken maybe didn't do the right thing, but I actually now think maybe he did. Maybe he fell on his sword a little bit for it, but um, but actually the better choice. It's gonna. I think that maybe he probably by doing that allowed us to condemn a lot of other things. Um, and if he sort of tried to kind of slip I'm out, smile, of it, I'm smiling right now. No, I, I actually, I it, as I think about it, I think I think actually that. It hasn't yet really gone too far, and I think it's actually actually working. I think the real question is, are we going to get... There was a second part of that whole dialogue, which is like, the, you just have to listen 
thing. And I, I have and a lot I think, of issues with that. And that, that I think is where women overstep. And I think men, by the way, any man is like, oh, I'm just, there were a bunch of men during the Me Too who were just like, I'm going to just listen now. And that's, that's who, what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I, I, to me, I'm like, good for you. But you know what? Like, that's not, so that's Andrew, not that doing anything. So that is a perfect segue to what the last thing I want to do. Yeah. Which is, and it's connected, so I'm not, I'm not changing the topic. I just wanted to say that for me, yeah. having these discussions with you yeah. and then hearing other people's feedback on it, people who are kind enough to listen, and especially the people who listen and then give us feedback, which we appreciate more than you can possibly understand, um, listeners, uh, I find that has been one of the most gratifying things that's come out of all of this. And it's kind of almost happened accidentally because you and I decided to have these conversations before the Me Too thing <laughs> started. But then again, like, but but this whole year... No, but it was part of that. Even though Harvey Weinstein hadn't... Is that all right? Yes. Harvey Weinstein hadn't happened um, yet. What had, you know, triggered me and what I made me say, hey, I need to sit down and do a podcast with you was exactly that all of this conversations that were happening, happening were bothering me. Yeah. So it was it was a uh, issue of, even though we hadn't gotten to me too it was really about this Well so I did want to say you know yeah. I had this sudden moment where I realized you know the me too thing has just been this fall yeah. but what did the year begin with a woman's march Right okay the year started with the women's march and it ended with the me too thing gaining momentum and to me that that has been the story of the year but it's been it would would have been really easy for me to only talk with people who see things a hundred percent the way that I see them. Right. And I really, really appreciate having had the chance to talk to you and to kind of wrestle with, even when we don't agree, or maybe yeah. especially when we don't agree, to wrestle with. So I just wanted to say thank you. To oh, you for well, that. well, thank you for thanking me. I uh, I think it's been good for both of us, and I think what it does show, I think uh, too, is that the idea that you just have to listen. Um, isn't true, right? Like, actually, it's better <laughs> if you if you actually have a con real conversation. I think what what the problem is, though, is that when you try to have a real conversation online, yes, um, you can't because it's not a real environment, and there's people cherry pick argu arguments, and yes. they take your words and they well, come people want people want to have a megaphone, right? Because it's a public forum, so you feel free to speak in a way that you would never speak to a person. One-on-one yeah. um, -on -one or that you, you know, and, and I, I don't agree that listening is unimportant, but the point is that you have to take turns, right? You get to yeah. speak, but then you have to listen. Yeah. That's right. Um, and I think some women, I mean, you know, very early on you um, were saying you don't like this word mansplaining. Oh, I hate um, the word mansplaining. And it's pretty rude. I get it. I get that it would offend you. But I think, I think what women are trying to get across with that word is that... Um, sometimes they feel like they talk, but they are spoken over, and they talk, but they are not heard. Um, and you know, I think increasingly you and I are hearing each other. Yeah, I think that's true. I, you know, I, I do like I do bristle at the word mansplaining because uh, conceptually, I just don't. <laughs> I don't know. I just have. I think I have a problem with it. Although I don't. I don't disagree that the phenomenon exists. Did you know how many words there are, by the way, that that women have bristled at over the years? Yeah. That that use. I mean, I can think of five off the top of my head, and I'm pretty sure I can't use any of them right now. But words that I grew up hearing in common conversation 
um, that were derogatory towards women. Towards women. You know, it's funny. It, just maybe this parting thought on words. I actually noticed. So I was my daughter has been do, going for the SSATs, mm -hmm. and uh, so we were we were I was testing her. Did I tell you this story? No. I was testing her for the SSATs, and like. Uh, and so there were all of these words, and we probably did a hundred, and like a lot of them were like haughty, supercilious, condescending, and I was like, and, and at some point she was just like, how come all these words mean essentially the same thing? Like how come they're always about like social status mm -hmm. and feeling, and, and li literally all the sort of like words you learn in eighth, ninth, and tenth grade are these words around, um, around social status and people not making people yes. feel well. And, uh, and I was like, I don't know, but like you'll be really good at Facebook arguments because you're gonna <laughs> learn all these all these words to be like you know you're so. But it is all these sort of big words that yeah. you learn that you know are, are really just sort of put downs or or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I I found that very interesting, particularly you know as you get to um, uh, advanced parts of language and you know and start thinking about what is important to the SATs or whatever. A lot of it is all about sort of your social status and making and whether other people are making you feel lower so or higher. Funny. Well, it's, I think you know. Really I think one of our many unofficial mottos is like we're we're like a post contempt post contempt discussion. I really I I think that's really important. So anyway, hopefully all of you all at home have uh, get, gained something from this as well. If not, uh, I think Xanthi and I have. <laughs> <laughs> that's really it's really all that's important. So. Um, but we will see you, I think, probably in the new year. Absolutely. And thank you so much for supporting us. And uh, yeah, we'll have lots of new and exciting things to talk about, I'm sure, in 2018. All right. See you next week. <laughs>